0: Please enjoy this message with special guest, Pastor Chris Cruz. <laughs> Good morning. Morning. I think my morning started way better than yours. I didn't have to wake up at 5.30 with my kids. I, my wife and I, we, we, we got up at 8 and we were like, we were just like, what is this? We have two beautiful children. So we have a son named Solomon, who's a little three and a half. He's a tank. He's just, oh, he's so much fun. And he's just, he loves wrestling with me. He lo- loves, oh, He's in a, he's in preschool for the first time, right? So just like learning this whole experience of school and watching him just be amazing in school and flourish and thrive and have to handle myself where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm dropping my son off at school. This is crazy. And then we have a, a little beautiful daughter that looks just like Lana. It's just, she is just a stunning, striking little girl. She's a year and a half, um, well, close to that. But anyway, we didn't wake up with them this morning. And, and then my, my morning increasingly got better than yours because I went to this place called uh, Bun Appetit for donuts and coffee. Uh, But these are not like normal donuts the like you walk in and it is as if like it was perfectly designed and curated by a like Scandinavian designer like it's beautiful exposed concrete and wood and these amazing you can't tell I'm also like extremely passionate about creativity and design and these kinds of things I help with as creative director at the church as well but the the idea is like we were there and you look at this like glass case of these Beautifully crafted, not just made, crafted donuts, and there were like I mind you, mine wasn't as good as I hoped it would be. I had it was too much matcha. It was was raspberry and matcha. It was a little too much matcha, but my wife had a dosa de leche one with that was like a cake donut. It was so good, and then we had another one that was um, guava and and cheesecake my god and then we had this ho- and then we had this jalapeno cheddar biscuit i was like what is this I- like shoot i was like we have to go to church we've got to go so we had a little mini vacation this morning going to have gr- and then they served Verve coffee as well i was like what is this life what is this life? It was so good. But we're, we're, we're very excited to be with you guys again. I was with you guys last year, but it, I was by myself with a team of uh, my interns, and I'm here with my wife. So it's, it's a huge honor to be with you guys again. Those of you that were here last time, hi again. And those of you that are just finding out who this random loud person is that's talking to you, my name is Chris Cruz. I'm the Young Adults Pastor at Bethel. Uh, I've been at Bethel for 12 years, working there for almost, well, I've worked there since I've been there. I, I started as a graphic designer, but eventually became uh, the, uh, one of the young adult no, one of the revival Group pastors in our school of ministry. I did that for about seven years, and my wife and I did that the last year together, and then I took over the Young Adults Ministry um, like three and a half years ago or something like that. And which is Tribe. A group of you came up to our Young Adults Conference this past, uh, past year, and it was an amazing time together. But yeah, you're waving your hands in the back like, hey, oh, hey. So I have to, you have to remember, I am a Young Adults Pastor. So at times, I may make references where if I look at your face, and I'm like, oh, time out, not a young adult crowd. <laughs> right. Um, I have to, like, there's certain things that I say. Like last night, I was talking with Jordan, and I made some jokes about Jordan. I was like, I actually don't know if people got that. I, I, I don't know. We'll find out. But I'm really excited to be with you guys this morning. Um, Let me pray and then we'll get started, okay? Jesus, thank you for being with us. That people who are trying to follow you and give in continual surrender to you, just regularly opening up our lives to you. Holy Spirit, we welcome your work in this room with all those that are present here and those that aren't even present here that are connected to somebody. Let there be breakthrough upon breakthrough here that those that were longing to see your kingdom come for, that they would see it even though they're not here, that there'd be something that would happen. And Holy Spirit, that you'd begin to minister to people deeper than I could with you, that you just begin to speak to hearts and minds, that you begin to heal bodies. Those that have issues in their nerves and their hands would all of a sudden feel a, a new a new healing that would just go over their body right now, that all that nerve damage that's causing the weird funkiness in your hand, it would begin to go away right now. Holy Spirit, you begin to set them free from that. And those that have been living with uh, chronic pain in their bodies, wherever it is, it would start to just dissipate right now in their body. would begin to disappear. It would be like as if someone was washing their cup clean and that their body would be made whole right now Jesus, go around this room and begin to minister to people who need your healing touch. Yeah, those that have had severe pain in their bodies, that it would begin to just disappear right now. That Jesus would place his hands on your shoulders and declare to you, be healed. Be healed. And something with the lungs, that the Holy Spirit would begin to just move on your lungs and heal your lungs. Yeah, those that have been, I feel like there's people also that have been perpetually sick, just perpetually sick, just going, and just is not stopping. Holy Spirit, right now, that you, right now you would break that and be set free. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, if if you're, even if you don't need something, just in that in physical healing, just open yourself up right now to whatever he wants to do with you today. Just open yourself up. And if you do need that healing, just begin to open yourself up as well there and say, all right, Jesus, I need a touch. I need a touch from you. And right now, Holy Spirit, begin to touch people in their bodies. Begin to set them free right now from pain, torment, disease, Migraines would stop, they wouldn't come back anymore. Holy Spirit. All tension in, in the mind, right, or right in the front of the head, just all tension would begin to go. And d- I, just this dyslexia being healed, that reading would all of a sudden change, The comprehension would all of a sudden change, understanding would all of a sudden change. Even if I'm not calling out anything that's connected to your life, but you know you need a touch from Jesus. Jesus does amazing things, even when someone doesn't say it. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to, throughout the message, feel free to check out what's happening inside your body. And if you start to feel changes and you start to like, and it's like something happened, I don't mind those kinds of interruptions. If you're like, I just want to shout back at you, I'm like, cool, that's fine, maybe another day. But if you're like, whoa, I'm experiencing breakthrough, I don't mind that kind of interruption. I'm like, I love when Jesus is doing stuff like that. So if you start to experience anything or if you already have experienced something, you can give me a thumbs up. That way I can be like, oh, I see you. That's awesome. I love to know what Jesus is doing even while we're moving forward. You know, we're coming together. We want to see Jesus do something with us. We're not trying to hang out. We're not a, a nicer version of like the YMCA or something, <laughs> it's, yeah, or just like your local club community. We're like, oh, no, we believe that Jesus is present among us to do things that we could never do on our own. So Holy Spirit, we thank you. All right, well, if you have your Bible, you can open it up to, to Mark 3. So I'm going to start there. I'm serious. If you start experiencing any changes, just even if it's a thumbs up, if you're like, I don't want to feel too embarrassed to say something while he's talking, but I experienced something. A thumbs up is a great little indicator to me that you're like, something's happening. Even if it's a small change and a slight adjustment. I, oh, there we go. I like that. Yes and amen. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. That's so good. And when you hear me just stop and thank Jesus, you can just keep receiving what he's doing in you because I want to make sure that, that we're seeing. Well, thank you, God. Yes. I said last night, this pulpit is so tall and I am so short. I'm like, I'm five foot, like seven on a good day and like boots with a little bit of heel to them. I'm like five foot seven. Craig's like, what, like five foot four, maybe on like a good day. Somebody's looked at me like, nah, like five, five foot, like two. Yeah, I'm like, bro, he's tall. And this is a taller pulpit. I'm like, okay, here we go. I can see my notes clearly. We're good, we're good. So did you have, that's enough time for you to get to Mark 3. I'm just waiting, that's all I'm doing. (laughs) I'm waiting. Okay. Hey, so Jesus is what? Wonderful. Um, Start there. But Jesus offers us the cure for the rushed life, the anxious life, the unsettled life, the scrambled life, the fearful life. He offers us a way out of that. He offers us out of that tired life. He offers us a way out of that performance-driven life where the eyes of other people matter than his eyes. He, he, get, he gives us a way out of those things. And he, he does so by calling us to be disciples of him. He offers, I believe, discipleship. One, first off, discipleship is not a program you do when you're a new believer. It's not like, all right, cool, let's get you discipled get you in a six-month program, and then you're discipled. Discipleship is the idea that you are a learner of Jesus and his way of life, committing yourself to become like him and to do what he did. And so as a disciple, Jesus offers us. Jesus says it's enough for a disciple to be like his teacher. And when he says enough, He's getting to this idea of like this contentment in your life is that you would be a disciple of him. In being a disciple of Jesus, you would find such contentment in life that you'd feel completely in a place of satisfaction. And Jesus calls us to be disciples of him. But then um, when he ought to offer us um, this cure for the rushed life, the anxious life, the f- fearful life, or the, the all, any kind of life you want to put, just put it right there, and then he offers an alternative to that life. And how he does that, interestingly enough, as a disciple, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus from a distance. Okay? You cannot be a disciple of Jesus from the distance. So let's go to Mark 3 really quick. So, let's... Um, he told his disciples, in verses 7, he tells his disciples to get a boat ready. They do that. And he, he, um, he goes, all right, in verse 9, he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. I love that. Jesus is like, this, this is going to get out of hand. You just got to think some of the realness of the gospel stories. You're just like, like, Jesus is like, I'm about to do some stuff. And it's about to get crazy. You better have a boat ready because I don't want to be crushed. I'm just like, I don't know. I find that amusing. <laughs> but anyway, for he healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. Whew, all right. Just there's something in that right now for us. So they all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the clean spirits saw him, they fell down before him. And cried out, you are the son of God. That doesn't happen to me often. I need more of that. And he strictly ordered them to not make him known. Verse 13. And he went up to the mountain and called to him those whom he had desired. And they came to him. And he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him. And he might send them out. But first I want to highlight right here so that they might be with him so that it might be with him. Jesus, later on in the Gospel of Matthew, says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. The invitation of Jesus to our life is to come to be with him. To come to be with him. Um, Especially in the way that our social landscape is right now, doing is so much more important than being. And what our life can feel like is that we're more successful as we do more. But Jesus is drawing us to be disciples of him and part of that discipleship to Jesus, which is essentially learning and practicing Jesus's way of life. As we begin to practice his way of life, we cannot do that from a distance. We do that from drawing close to him and being with him, being with him. I don't know if you understand what I'm really getting at right now because I'm really excited about this. So here's what I'm thinking. The idea that a baby is formed, its vital organs are formed in the womb. Okay? Unseen from public eye. And if it is birthed too early or prematurely, it needs some support in other ways that were not intended for it to need support. So if we don't understand how we are to be formed by Jesus, we can rush ourselves out into something and need artificial support because we're not anchored and getting formed in the unseen. That we were meant to be shaped where no one's eyes could see us. And in the practice of being with Jesus, we withdraw from the crowd. And we know that Jesus withdrew from the crowd often. And here's the thing. If you can withdraw from the crowd, that means then you're prepared to minister to the crowd. If you cannot withdraw from the crowd, you're not actually prepared to minister to the crowd. If you have to remain among them for their esteem and their affection and their popularity and their notoriety and all that it will give you, you actually cannot minister to that crowd. So in withdrawing from the crowd, you actually are being prepared to minister to that crowd. So the dreams in your life matter, but God says they don't matter as much as you matter to him. And so it's being drawn into that secret place, that place where no one can see that you start to practice being with Jesus. Um, there's a, a bamboo tree that this bamboo tree will um, grow five, up to five years underground first. And so if you take that bamboo tree and you simply measure its success based off the visual growth and what you can see compared to other trees, you will feel like a regular failure. So if you take your life and you put it up against and measure the measuring stick of society's success meter, you can feel like a consistent failure. But this bamboo tree will grow five years underground. So its success looks like failure to everyone else potentially. To all the other kinds of trees out there. But then in a matter of six weeks, it will grow 80 feet. Because it is growing deep underneath the surface where no one can see it. And you could be tempted to give up on it because year one, no no outward growth. Year two, no outward growth. Year three, no outward growth. Year four, no outward growth. Year five, no. all of a sudden, it's springing up. And people are like, where did that come from? You go, five years of hidden life. Five years of no one watching me and telling me, and, and, but me being with Jesus more than I care about the success on the outside. I love when Jesus in Matthew 11, again, I say, he says, come to me. He makes that invitation, right? It would almost be preposterous to the idea that you and I could know God unless God decided he wanted to be known. The idea that you and I could tell people you can know God sounds insane if there is a being who created the world. We're like, you can know him. Really? That seems a bit like, a bit arrogant. He's like, but he's, he, I'm, this is not my idea, It's his idea. You see, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing, right? Nothing is impossible for God. But there's absolutely something he won't do. Just won't do it. And that is be alone. He wants to be with you. Nothing's impossible, but he won't be alone because he wants to be with you. It is not a need for him. It is a want for him. So he says to you, come to me because I want to be with you. And inviting us into that place, we start to recognize that we can be with him without um, having all our, all our masks and our egos and our, all the things that we can put over ourselves. Because Jesus, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus doesn't heal our masks. He doesn't polish our facade and our ego he doesn't heal that part of us. He asks that to die. So, the, But the person who dares to spend time with Jesus and be with him will start to embody peace, rest, contentment, proper passion and joy and fun. And you will naturally live as Jesus lived, doing what Jesus did. A lot of the time we will tell people, do what Jesus did not understanding there is an entire lifestyle that Jesus lived. So we may ask them to do what Jesus did, and they feel overwhelmed to do this, and then they, they think being like Jesus is simply healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the leper, cast out demons, freely you've received, freely give. We begin to put these, these things that Jesus did, and we say that's what being like Jesus is. And then we're wondering when Jesus is like, okay, don't be angry, and we're like, okay. All right, and we're trying to figure out how to be like Jesus without this lifestyle that Jesus had. Inside of that lifestyle of Jesus was this practice of withdrawing from the crowd and being with his father. And so for us, we are drawn in by Jesus to this practice of being with him. Being with him. Because all progress in our life flows from presence. flows from being in his presence. So he says come to me. He didn't say come to a church service. He doesn't he, the only reason this thing works is because presence. Otherwise it's a crowd. And so he says come to me, not an idea. Not a set of beliefs. Come to me. And in coming to him, he invites us. He says, I love it. He tells these people who are tired, or he says, come to me all who are heavy laden, right? Which we all qualify in that category. He says, come to me. He doesn't say, do more work. You see, there's a way to do what Jesus did without being with Jesus. You can make more withdrawals than deposits, but you'll end up going bankrupt. You'll end up doing what Jesus did without the essence of who Jesus is. You'll be productive, but you won't be fulfilled. You'll be tired and exhausted, but you won't have the inner rest Jesus had. So when we when we are looking at what is the, like what is the ways our spirituality flourishes and thrives it is by continual and consistent practice and what and what people are like what do you mean by practice i go practice the idea is that there's this, this um, creating space in your life a continual creating space in your life to be with him and be filled by him and live life with him and then from that all other things will flourish and thrive it's it's so interesting because i um i i when i got I'll talk about it in a little bit here, but when I encountered the Holy Spirit, my life dramatically changed, and one of the things that dramatically changed about my life was um, being addicted to different kinds of things, and one of them being pornography and being addicted to it, and then all of a sudden getting set free by the power of the Holy Spirit and not having any problems with it since. One of the things that's interesting is no person would sin in their life in front of their parent. No person would make a poor choice to destroy who they are in the front of the, someone that loved them like that. It'd be really, really hard. And what I'm getting at is that sin often is birthed in a lack of awareness of God's presence, and a lack of awareness that He is so near to you, He is so with you, and it's just simply that you are not with Him that sin starts to feel appealing. It's in recognizing that he's with you and you're with him in that awareness that that I have God with me. Therefore, now all of a sudden this starts to, it starts to lose its taste. It starts to lose its appeal. And You recognize he's number one for you. You start to, your life starts to get reorganized. You start to recognize that in withdrawing from the crowd and being in the place a secret place alone with Jesus, you start to get healed of all these things that would be unhealthy for you and you start to remember that you organize your life around him. He doesn't work well as a number two. And so he doesn't get the crumbs off of our table. We organize our life around him. We don't say, I've got a busy schedule, where would Jesus fit? It's the same thing with tithing or any kind of generosity. You don't go, how do I live my life? And then at the end, I give my tithe to God. You go, before I live life, I set aside what I'm going to give to his kingdom and his work and everything else properly functions. Same thing with actually starting to be with Jesus. If we think regularly, our schedule just miraculously will open up to be with him. It won't. There's a soccer practice, there's a game, there's a this, there's a that. It's only until I make an intentional choice to say I have to organize my life around this. one One of the beautiful things we've learned in the last few years, I think, that I've loved in church life is the idea that God is everywhere. God is everywhere in everything so you can kayak with God, you can climb with God, you can play sports with God, you can do all these things. With God. And all those things are amazing with God. But they should never cause us to not intentionally need a space where we devote ourselves to Him purely by focusing on Him. And what that looks like is different for each person, but the reality is we cannot survive without that. Because over time, we'll end up making more withdrawals than deposits, and we'll feel exhausted, tired, burnt out. One of the interesting things, I said this, I heard this quote one time uh, that was connected to something other and not at all connected to following Jesus, but it was so interesting because I, I feel it's true sometimes with the, our walk with Jesus is that it's not that we aim too high and fail, it's that we aim too low and succeed. It, it's like, oh, you know, uh, just uh, Sundays is good enough. And we succeed at it and we're like, good The danger is to succeed at the lower bar that Jesus has for you. The danger is to succeed thinking this was the pinnacle. For some seasons, it feels like the pinnacle, right? It feels like it's taking so much effort in my life to get to a Sunday experience. But what I'm talking about is over your life, carving out moments with him to care for your soul with him and him to care for you and you to love him. I don't know... About you, but when I draw near to Jesus, my world starts making sense. He starts to speak words to me that I didn't know I needed to hear. I'm like I didn't know I needed to hear that Jesus, but I needed to be still enough and with you focused to recognize it. Sometimes I think the, the on-demand culture and the overexposure to beautiful things culture causes us to lose awareness. And so well, we can just catch, the, catch whatever we want later. We can miss it and watch it later. We don't have the like, it's happening right now. You know, back when I was like, like maybe what, like 10 everybody else, probably like however old you are. I'm only 32, so I'm not super. But I remember watching TGIF. Thank God it's Friday, not the restaurant. I grew up with that. as a re- There was an actual restaurant called G.G.I. I don't know if it still exists, uh, but it was, a, it was a time on a Friday night where you watched what was on TV, di- like all of the dinosaurs, Family Matters, all the good stuff. It was good, and, but you, it only happened at a certain time, so you didn't have this, like, just, we can w- watch it later. It was like, no, i got to watch it right now. So I think sometimes the, like, I can watch this later, do this later thing, and the amount of beautiful pictures we see on Instagram that when we see a real sunset, we're kind of like, it's not as cool as the thing I saw online. <laughs> it's not as pretty as the, the thing I saw someone edit on Instagram. And or we just haven't trained ourselves in the awareness, and so we find ourselves just kind of like going, all right, uh, maybe I'll get it later. Not recognizing that like the later is, is, is kind of like this. Later isn't a reference in time. I love it. I work with a creative team. And so I, someone will say, I'm going to get this to you later. I go, that's, that's, not, a, that's, not, a actual, that's not a time. <laughs> later is an excuse for you to be irresponsible. When are you getting this to me? I'll do it later. Later is not a reference in time. We're so, I tell young adults all the time, we're so afraid of expectations, especially expectations of ourselves. And we're, we're so afraid, we're like, I don't want the pressure on me. I don't, want to, I don't want that pressure. I'm like, okay, let me tell you. If I didn't have expectations of me from my wife, and all I, and say, for example, a great example would be this. If I'm like, hey, I, here's, here's, here's the great part, right? There's an expectation. I'm like, you know what? Those dishes, I'll, the expectation is that I'm going to do them, but then I don't do them. And I go, well, I intended to. <laughs> I intended to. You see, intended to makes you feel good. Like saying, I intend, or even like, I didn't intend to hurt you, but you did. And, t- and saying I intended is a great way, again, to remain irresponsible for your life. And so it's, I, I tell young adults all the time, I'm like, listen, there's a great expectation you should have of yourself with. I should expect greatness from myself. I should expect integrity, character, honor. I should expect these things of me. And so even with this, I should expect and actually have a clear cut, not just intention, but an awareness of whether I'm actually doing it or not. I intend to be with Jesus. It's a great way to stay cool. I'm still irresponsible with the reality that I may need to carve out actual time with him. And you figure that out. This is, this is all about opportunity and privilege. This is not about pre- unhealthy pressure. This is about you realizing, all right, how do I, I it's, it's fascinating. Right? We don't realize, uh, I, again, a young adult thing. I don't know how many of you struggle with this, but they realize 45 minutes into Instagram. I have a guy that I asked him, how often do you work out? He said, twice a day, minimum. I said, twice a day. I was like, how long do you work out? He's like, about 45 minutes. I was like, no way. Three times a day, 45 minutes. He's like, yeah. I was like, wait, like, just out of curiosity, when do you spend time with Jesus? And he's like, oh, man, it's hard in my schedule. (laughs) It's just hard in my schedule. I said, you mean to tell me you can work out three times a day for 45 minutes because you think that is more important. I'm like, that's shocking, bro. I just, I'm just asking you for 15 minutes maybe that you would carve out of that, that thing and you would start to change and watch that chaos you're talking to me about, that inner worry, the, the frantic pace of life you have the feeling of inferiority that you walk with, the sense of shame that you carry, all those things you're talking to me about, I think will start to change if you actually spend time with him. So there's this, this like, all right, I my schedule. I'm like, no, I'm not asking you to go and say I'm going to spend the entire day away monastically in my life and not care for the responsibilities of my life. I'm simply saying that all of us as disciples of Jesus, we cannot do it from a distance. We cannot do it from hearsay either. We cannot do it from the knowledge of someone else. It has to be through our talking to Jesus. Another one was, it, well, that was great. When, when I'm talking to my young adults about starting the practice of being with Jesus and spiritual formation and spending time with God and starting to do certain disciplines in your life. Um, I talked to them about one of them about fasting one time and uh, he's like, Oh, I don't fast. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't do like religious stuff like that being religious. I said, you do intermittent fasting though, right? Yeah. I was like, so you will intermittent fast for no purpose, but your own sense of like life, but you won't and start to incorporate practices in your life with Jesus because you're afraid of being religious. Dallas Willard has this great quote and it's gonna mess with your brain for a second, but let it settle on you. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Effort is an action. Earning is an attitude. I'm not earning anything with God by fasting. I'm not earning anything with God. I'm not earning his love for me by practicing being alone with him. I'm not trying to convince him to love me more by doing this. What I'm trying to do is simply get in the path of his love. I'm simply going, hey, get in the space where, it, like, and get yourself intentionally aware of that love for him, for you, and cultivate that relationship. Because if you don't, you'll eventually go bankrupt. That's where you start to feel content. That's why Paul could say. I could do this and I could do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul's, we, we, we often quote that as like mountains we're climbing. Paul's talking about being content in life. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do this new job. He's going, and Paul's like, I'm talking about like whether I have much or little. I can do all of it. I can be content in all things. So you no longer, and when you start to practice being with him, you no longer are scrambling to cover up the aching for your soul. With more activity and more work, all those kinds of things. You begin to realize that in his presence, he's the reward of this relationship. A.W. Yeah. Tozer called it the soul's paradox of love to pursue what you've already apprehended. The idea that how do, can I keep pursuing something that I have? And the, the real easy way for us to navigate that in life is to go, okay, if you have God and, you, and you're, the question is, do I still pursue God? Well, if I have him, why do I need to still pursue him? Well, if you're, if you're in it for relationship, then yes. If you're in it for benefits, then probably not. Because intimacy cannot be cultivated by a one night stand. Intimacy is cultivated by a continuous interchanging of hearts a regular exposure of one another. A knowing and being known. So you come to realize that he's the reward of this relationship and he's so much kinder than you realize and he's so much more generous than you realize and he's such a generous and kind father. He's not content with giving you gifts. He wants to give you himself. He's like, I'm not going to stop with gifts. You ever watch those videos when they surprisingly show the dad who has been overseas um, and at a baseball game and he takes off the mask and he's like the catcher or something like that. And the family's there and they're running and everybody's crying and you're crying and you're like, Oh my God, Ah, it's incredible. Right? Because nothing substitutes presence, no letter. Nothing substitutes presence. You have to experience presence. There's no substitute for it. That's why those things move us because they recognize and they make us aware that nothing changes being with someone. And and when when you begin to practice being with Jesus, you find out, especially myself, I find I become way more tender because my guard is down. Jesus is the safest place in the world. I don't have to wear armor with him. And if I do come guarded, he uncovers me in the right way. And he shows me to myself so that I could be who he says I am. I find often that I'm dreaming too small about me when he starts to speak. There's a story in the Bible that most of us know well, if you've been around any time, is the idea of this woman that breaks the alabaster jar at Jesus' feet. She takes what is considered to be a year's wages of perfume and and pours it on Jesus' feet. And obviously you have this group of people trying to figure out what's going on. And what's interesting is she saw Jesus in such a way that she was captivated to the point where it felt like wisdom to give it all to him. She saw him in such a way that she was like, this is is absolute wisdom for me to do this. I I could invest this in stocks. I could invest this in a house. I could invest this in, but I'm seeing Jesus and I'm captivated in such a way that he, right now this feels like wisdom to do this. So drawn in by Jesus, so captivated by him that all of her life felt like it had to be surrendered to him. You see, Jesus is captivating unless we are deceived. Because the person in the proximity of that room, but not in intimacy with Jesus, but in proximity, just being around, but not intimate, was offended at her extravagance. Judas didn't know what to do with it. He said, we could have we spent this money so much better. Yeah. Wow. Judas didn't understand the extravagance poured out on Jesus. They, yeah. People who d- won't get it when you start to say, I want to smell like him. So I want to be around him. Well, you're you're jeopardizing your career. You could do so much more with your time. You could be so much more productive. But you're like, but I gotta smell like him. I wanna be like him. I see him, and my life makes so much more sense. But but listen, if you don't hustle like this, you're not gonna get the promotion. I'm trusting that he's going to take care of me. So I don't have to do that right now. I don't have to bury myself in the ground of overwork. I can be with him and recognize that now when I come to my family, they're not getting the drained Chris, the over-exhausted Chris. They're getting the Christ that's full of Jesus and has spent time with him to learn what it means to be a father, to learn what it means to be a son who learns what it means to be a husband, finding him speak to my identity because I'm with him versus hustling and grinding and going, I'm so tired, I don't have anything to give to anyone. This is, this erupted for me when I experienced the Holy Spirit for the first time. The, my story was that I was upstairs in the living room, upstairs in my bedroom. My parents were in the living room. It was a small space, um, maybe five to six people. And a family friend who I'd never met in my life. They were friends of my aunt. Um, They came to the house to minister to people in in the home group. And, And still to this day, what I love about that story it's not just the encounter I had with the Holy Spirit that I'll get to in a moment, but the fact that someone was faithful to who they were meant to be despite the size of the people listening. That it was five people and they were like, I want to minister to those five people because for them the reward wasn't how many people know me. They're like, I want to do this. And then, and then so I'm, I'm, I'm called down. They, they say, hey, we got a prophetic word for your son. And I'm, I didn't want anything to do with Jesus. I, I, not by like I'm bitter and angry at the church. It's more like I'm disinterested, feel like there's, I'm not, I've never, there's nothing going on for me. I'm not connected to that. I don't, uh, and so I'm upstairs, not interested, and I come down to hear them say they want to prophesy over me. And so I sit down, and I feel this eminent force starting to come at me. And I'm sitting there, and they start to prophesy over me. And then I got real Pentecostal. And pulled out a shofar. <laughs> Don't knock it till you try it. That's what I tell all my friends. So they took that shofar and they blew it into my chest. And when they did, I curled over involuntarily. Tears, just drowning myself in tears. Out of my mouth flows a language I had no idea I could speak, a love that was so completing that my insecurities started to just melt. I I was shocked at how I felt and what he was thinking about me. I thought it was supposed to be about him, but all of a sudden I'm hearing his words about me, and it's like David who says, who am I that when I'm with you, you're mindful of me? And just shocked at his words of love over me. And overwhelmed. Just sweating, crying, speaking in a different language that I had no idea could come out of my mouth. And then a complete, complete, complete overhaul in my life. It was shocking. It wasn't progressive. It was overnight an overnight disinterest in Jesus to an obsessive captivation. There may be healing inside of me that was progressive. There may be a journey of wholeness that was progressive. But my obsession was sudden. My captivation was unchanging. All I wanted to do was be with him. I said, if that's what it's like in your presence, that is what I want to do with my life. If that's what it feels like to be with you, that's where I want to be. And so I went from being in my room looking at pornography to being in my room praying, not knowing anything about the Bible that would make sense. I would sit there and just read it as I was enjoying the presence of Jesus with me from there just an increasing hunger for him an increasing desire for him it's like every moment I knew him a little bit more I was drawn in even further and it was like everything that he would start to woo in me I would feel him saying you're going to have to let some things go in order to come closer but I can help you it was almost like he would say let me take those chains let me have those I want to be with you. And it was just like my hunger, my upset. I would just be in my room. My mom said, um, it was crazy to see you change. Overnight. Because you would have your door closed and I would pray for you. And now your door was closed and I could hear you pray. And I would I would sit there. I was so innocent that I didn't know what they meant when they said prayer closet. I had heard it loosely. I thought it meant your closet. So I took my closet, emptied it out. I put a headlamp, a pillow, and a Bible. And I would sit there. And I would read words, and I'd read them, and i go, and all of a sudden, one day, there was a word that said, eat my word, and it will be honey to you. Yeah. And I would just sit there. i go, I have no idea what this means. <laughs> but I want this. I want to be with you, Jesus. And the temptation after that is to be drawn away to do other things before making sure I'm being with him. So Jesus, we ask that you would help us. That you'd help us. Our hearts long for you. Help us to organize our life around you. Help us because we desire to know you. We recognize that you're going to send us out. We recognize that we're going to do great things with you. But we don't want to lose you. Help us to remain intimate with you. To not be in a hurry. That you would rearrange what success looks like for us. We know there is no substitute for being in your presence. So right now, in your own words, just tell him your heart for him. Just, just tell him your own words. It doesn't have to be loud. It's not for anybody else to hear. This isn't about someone knowing how great you are at this. This is about you and Jesus. Holy Spirit wants to breathe on some people whose hearts have felt all kinds of things to where you feel almost like it was it, like cold and you feel indifferent. I know it's risky. I know it's courageous, but he wants to move on you. So if you're this, if you're feeling this sense, it's like, oh man, it's in a, it's been rough for me to pursue Jesus. And being here is courageous enough this is a community of people that love you and love Jesus and we want to pray for that journey. We want to strengthen that journey. We want to, the Holy Spirit to breathe on that for you. So if that's you, I just, I honestly, maybe just put your hand up or something. We don't have to stand up. We could stand up. It doesn't matter. But I see one over there and a couple of them. All right. A few more. All right. Just put, just put both your hands out in front of you. If you can see them, if they're near you, if they're near you, Just put your hand on their shoulder. Because they're courageous enough to be here despite how hard it's been. So Holy Spirit, breathe on them. Take the weights off. And show them your love. Overshadow them with your presence. Take off the weights of disappointment, discouragement. Those that have felt nothing and still feel nothing, we say he's with you despite your feelings. He's with you despite your feelings. He doesn't abandon you. Thank you. So you could stay receiving like that. We're going to pray for one more group of people before we're done. Just receive. If you're in that space, you don't have to stop. Just keep your hands out. Let him speak to you. Almost let us disappear and you be with him and let him just love on you right now. If you need a miracle in your body of any kind, we want to pray for you. Because Jesus wants to do something. He has such compassion for you. If you need a miracle in your body, stand up. If you're around them, put your hands on them. If you love Jesus and you want to partner with him, put your hands on him, on them. We're not trying to convince Jesus to do something he doesn't want to do. We're partnering with what he's doing. So begin to declare over them the healing power of Jesus. We say, Jesus heals you. Jesus heals you. Jesus heals you. Every sickness, every disease, every ounce of torment and pain be removed from your body now that the power of the Holy Spirit would overshadow you and that the blood of Jesus would set you free presence of Jesus, wash over this room. Begin to walk around Jesus and lay your hands on people and set them free. Miracle working power of Jesus. Just a moment longer. you can actually check it out I want you to try to check it out to see if there's any kind of progress and if there's any kind of progress put up a thumbs up if there's any kind there come on Jesus thank you there as well come on thank you Jesus listen a headache to cancer it's all impossible thank you Jesus anybody else experiencing any kind of breakthrough with it Anybody else? There. Thank you, Jesus. Over there as well in the back. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else see complete difference, a complete change? It's gone completely. Anybody that was there that saw a complete change? Not just a small change, but you saw completely different. It's different now for you. Anybody? You, yeah. You saw it. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you do all things. Okay, one last thing. I just want you to stand up. And together, we're all we're on this journey of following Jesus together. So I want you to link hands with somebody next to you. And I want you to pray for them. Begin to pray that the Holy Spirit would hunt them down. That they would find it so difficult to lose the awareness of God's presence. Begin to pray for them. Begin to pray for them right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would hunt them down. That you would find them. That you would just make it so hard for them to ignore you in any way. That when they're at work having lunch, all of a sudden they'd be drowned by your presence. Then they'd wake up in the morning and go for coffee and they'd be overcome by your love. That they would be sitting down for a moment and be drenched with your passion for them. That they would be hunted down by the Holy Spirit, possessed by him. And then in turn, they would be captivated with you. They would give themselves to being with you to know you, to change the meters of success, to enjoying your presence. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. It was an honor to be with you this morning. Bless you guys. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.